0: Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's show is about how we store emotions in the various energetic systems of the body according to Chinese medicine. On today's show, we'll be featuring our guest, Danny Guerin, L-A-C-D-A-O-M, Doctor of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. He's an acupuncturist, herbalist, and intuition medicine practitioner specializing in, among other things, emotional and spiritual healing. He is also passionate about education, having taught doctoral students for over six years at the American College of Traditional Chinese Medicine at the California Institute of Integral Studies in San Francisco, as well as the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sol Solito, California. His capstone for his doctoral work focused on the exploration and research of various acupuncture treatments for working with the emotions and the spirit. Thank you so much for joining us today, Danny. Really excited to have you on the show.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to jump into this.
0: Great. So, can you tell us from your perspective, what exactly is energy medicine?
1: So, I think of energy medicine really as a holistic way of looking not only at the body, but also the mind and the spirit. When you look at anything that's in physical form, including human beings, right, we're all different forms of energy just in different densities and frequencies. If you look at Albert Einstein's theory of relativity and the equation E equals mc squared, it says that anything that has a mass is an energy just moving at different speeds. So if you take something that has a certain mass and you speed it up, essentially in his equation to the speed of light squared, then it turns into pure energy, but it has to have that energy within it. Um, in order to be energy itself, right? So all anything that's mass is energy. Right. Most people focus on what they can see and they touch, and they can touch the most physical form of energy, right? But when we're doing energy work, we're working on the level of the less dense energy, the energetic flow in the body, which is very commonly talked about in acupuncture, but also different healing modalities. Right? Like with the meridians and the flow of energy along them, but also the energy of our spirit, our true essence. And so there are, of course, different schools that teach how to work with this. Right, There's you know, a lot of people know about Reiki, which I've already done. I have did my Reiki master training about 18 years ago. Um, but there are also different schools, such as the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sausalito, as well as various other ones. And all these different schools teach different energy frequencies that you can use in healing the body, healing the mind, healing the spirit.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that explanation. And I'm curious, um, you know, can you tell us what it means to store emotions in the human body
1: So i like to look at it both from the Western and the Eastern perspective. So from the Western point of view, right, we have our brain, which has neurological connections throughout the body. And whether it's something as simple as stress and we start to somaticize that stress in our body, for instance, you start clenching your jaws in stressful situations. Or like I remember when I was studying for the MCATs when I almost went pre-med. Um, I started clenching my jaws in the middle of the night and it was because it was such a stressful time or, you know, you feel it in your shoulders or you feel it in different parts of the body. And so we start to have those neurological connections that connect to any part of the body, right, that starts to have this energetic emotional component to it. Um, from the Chinese medicine point of view, there's many ways that we do this. One of the interesting things is talking about how each of the organs, according to Chinese medicine, is responsible for and can store a particular type of emotion. So, an example is or are the lungs and the emotion of sadness and grief. And it's really common that um, I've had so many patients where they've gone through something really traumatic in their life. They're grieving the loss of a pet, the loss of a parent, the loss of a sibling, anything that's just really sad for them. And they come to me several months later and they say, oh, I've developed asthma or this cough or something going on with my lungs. And I ask them what happened at that time when it started. And they'll tell me this really sad event that they were going through that they couldn't fully process. Um, And so that's the direct connection of how sadness will affect the lungs. So it'll like weaken the lungs, for instance, or people are more likely to get common colds after they've been dealing with something really sad. But that's just one example. Yeah, if you look at, for instance, the liver, the liver has to do with anger. And so people who like to drink a little too much alcohol, right, that heat and that toxicity from the alcohol gets processed by the liver and then it's really common that they can get very angry. Or another example are the kidneys, and um, you see it a lot in little kids, but you also see it in adults who have a life-threatening situation, right? But when you think of a little kid who gets scared, what do they do? They urinate themselves,
0: Mm. and that's
1: because of the effect of fear on the kidneys. Or same thing for adults, like let's say they think they're about to die, sometimes they'll urinate themselves as well. Wow. Same connection.
0: Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. I want to ask about more organs.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we can talk about whatever you want. (laughs) What
0: about about the pancreas?
1: (laughs) So the pancreas, which is often called the spleen in Chinese medicine, which is a mistranslation that's stuck. Um, So the spleen, according to Western physiological processes, is not what we're talking about when we talk about the spleen in Chinese medicine. It's more having to do with the digestion and the pancreas. Um, But the pancreas is really about overthinking. So mm. people who think too much, use their brain too much, can like ruminate on things too much. That will affect the pancreas.
0: Oh wow, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and then there was there was another thing. If you want to go a little deeper from a different point of view, is um, the consciousness in the heart. And so this is an explanation of the equivalent of what Western medicine would call um, repressing our emotions. And so in Chinese medicine, the heart is said to be the house of our consciousness. And what happens is that during the day, our consciousness will go up to the brain. This is different than the ego or the mind that's thinking all the time. It's more the awareness, Mm. um, which a lot of spiritual practices refer to as our our true selves, right? That like deep consciousness that's present for everything. And so the consciousness will go up to animate the brain during the day. And at night, it goes back to the heart to rest when we go to sleep. But there's always this like root connection of our consciousness in the heart, and so whatever our consciousness experiences, whatever type of emotion, whether it's something that's suddenly really traumatic or it's something over a long period of time that's not as traumatic. Like, let's say you're in a difficult relationship and that relationship has a particular issue that's a theme that keeps happening and it wears on you and wears on you until it becomes, over time, something that's more um, more deep and harder to process. So then the heart experiences all of that. then what happens is around the heart, there's a membrane called the pericardium. Chinese medicine views it as its own organ, even though Western medicine doesn't, or allopathic medicine, I should say, doesn't. But so the, the heart and the pericardium have this beautiful back and forth with each other. The pericardium is there because it's a membrane that surrounds the heart. It's there to protect the heart. And so that which the heart cannot bear, it gives to the pericardium to hold it. The pericardium isn't able to process those emotions, though. And so what happens is the pericardium will hold it as long as it can. It'll give it back to the heart and the consciousness in order to try to process it. But if the heart can't process it because it's too much or we don't have the tools, we don't meditate with it, we ignore it, we try to push it down instead of deal with it, right? Then the pericardium gets overfull and overfull and overfull. And when it gets to that point that it can't hold it anymore, then it sends it down to a particular Chinese medicine energetic system called the Dai Mai, which translates as the girdle vessel. The girdle vessel runs like a belt around the low back and then scoops down into the lower abdomen. It has a strong effect on the back, on the groin, on the uh, reproductive system, um, on the kidneys, anything in that area. And so the analogy that comes from one of my teachers, which I love, is that so when the heart and the pericardium can't deal with it, we take these emotional traumas and we walk it down like to the basement of our home. We take it down to the basement. We put it in Tupperware or some sort of container that will seal it up. We put it in the basement, which in this case, the diaphragm or the girdle vessel, or the, uh, sometimes called the belt vessel, is the basement in this metaphor. And what we do is we stick it down there because we can't deal with it. And so it's like out of sight, out of mind. But not only do we do that, we flood the basement so that we can not access it. It makes it even harder to. And so the way the body physiologically does that is it creates a lot of pathological fluids in the body. And so, for instance, people can start developing cysts or a lot of mucus or nodules, things like that. Um, And so that's the equivalent of repressing our emotions from this energetic Chinese medicine point of view.
0: Fascinating. And I'm curious for people that are holding, um, I mean, I'm sure most of us are holding uh, some type of emotions, some obviously way more than others. Um, What are some ways that uh, we can process these emotions?
1: So the number one thing that I always say is it's so important to be present with whatever is coming up emotionally. And so it's really common to want to run away from it or to try to change it or move on from it. Um, But the more we hold space for whatever's there, the less likely it will stay with us as long, which is very ironic, right? It's like the more you engage with it, the the less likely it's going to stay. A lot of people think of, oh, the more I engage with something, the more it's going to be there, the more I'm going to attract it in my life. Um, But it's not that you're calling it in, you're being present. And if you can just love whatever's there... Give gratitude for it because whatever is coming up, it's part of your personal divine journey, so to say. It's part of your journey and it's there to teach you. It's mirroring something that you need to learn or to just accept. The more we can do that, the easier it is for it to process. Wow. And then, of course, there's all the acupuncture points of view and all other sorts of different modalities that you can use.
0: Right. Wow. Um, I have so many questions on that, but uh, <laughs> I think we could spend all day just on that question. <laughs> and Danny, can you tell me uh, more about things like um, cupping and bloodletting? And I think you mentioned something called uh, AE drain. What, what are those? Uh, what, are the, what is it actually? <laughs> is it a, <laughs> I mean, I've, I actually have never heard of a couple of those things other than cupping and acupuncture. So I'm curious uh, if you could explain to the audience what they are.
1: Yeah. Well, so we know what acupuncture, the insertion of fine needles, cupping is where you create suction with a cup. And most of the time it can either be used with like a, like a pump to suck out the air, but traditionally it's, you burn cotton or a piece of paper, you put it into the cup to burn out all the air and then take out that burning substance and put the cup right on the skin. And then it creates suction. A lot of times it's used for pain, but it can be used for other things. Um I don't tend to use it for emotions, although I wouldn't be surprised if there's someone who who does um, but, a really so a really common treatment, and it comes from the five elements school of Chinese medicine. Um is, I believe especially the Worsley school that comes out of England um, is the AE drain or the aggressive energy drain. And you know how we talked about how each of the organs they store emotions. Right. Um, there's this treatment where it's all on the back on either side of the spine, and there's these specific acupuncture points that are called shoe points or transport points, and these shoe points Connect directly, they have an energetic connection directly to each of the organs. And so, what you do is you tap the needles in, you barely put them in because you are not trying to go deep. You're trying to like pull stuff out. Mm. And so, what these needles do are they pull that emotion out of each of the organs. And so, it's not called aggressive energy because someone's necessarily aggressive. It has to do with this imbalance that happens amongst the organs when they're overburdened by emotions that aren't fully aren't processed and then they start fighting with each other instead of supporting each other they start having this like weird dynamic and so these <laughs> needles it's, it's really beautiful it's honestly the aggressive energy drain is one of my favorite go-to treatments um, for general relatively superficial everyday emotions but still just super powerful for all sorts of things because not only do emotions affect the organs but they create inflammation in the body emotions are one of the biggest things that create inflammation in the body besides, of course, diet and other toxins and stuff. Um, But this treatment pulls not only the emotions out, but the inflammation out. And what you see are red circles often around these needle insertion sites, and that's said to be that inflammation and emotion coming out of the organs and out of the body. Um, So it's a really beautiful treatment. Um, I use it a lot, honestly, also with autoimmune conditions because there's often so much emotional and inflammatory aspects to those conditions.
0: I I think that I have actually had that treatment at one point when I worked with you maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't
1: be surprised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, amazing. Um, but in terms, of other,
1: <laughs> in terms of other acupuncture things, right, there is acupuncture to access the daimai, which is the girdle vessel. And that works not only with this life emotional traumas, but you can also access past life emotional traumas if you're someone who believes in that, as well as our ancestral karma, which is the stuff that we inherit from our parents and from their lineages, which... Um, for for me, I, I like giving the Western equivalent for things when I can, because I, I definitely had that pre-med Western mind before going into Chinese medicine. But uh, there's the, the science of epigenetics, which is epi being the control of our genetics. And so it's not the genes themselves, but it's how the genes get modified by what we go through. So for instance, someone who's been through some sort of Um, emotional trauma whether it's like famine or the holocaust or whatever it is whatever they've been through they it gets imprinted on the dna and then in the dna it gets passed on to future generations and the Mai is one of these that can access that
0: and and uh, and there is a specific acupuncture um, uh, point that removes the emotions from the Mai, or is is there a mix of things that can remove those emotions i imagine it's like You know, peeling an onion back takes a long time.
1: It definitely is true that there's so many layers to it. And there's a saying that you only in Chinese medicine, you only work with whatever the patient is ready to work with. You never try to push them beyond that. Um, because you don't want to force them into processing something that they're not not ready for. Um, but there are different ways. So with accessing the daimai, all acupuncturists know which point is the like magical point that accesses the daimai. But then in the way that I've been taught to really work deeply with the daimai for these emotional things is that you use those points, but then you also use points that are along the pathway of it that overlap with the other traditional acupuncture points. And then by doing it, you're really accessing it. But on top of that, it's one thing to just needle it. Then for me, what I do where I incorporate the energy work and I, I look at it and I see it and I bring in, as I mentioned, that presence with love and gratitude and acceptance, I bring that into it to help the patients process it more swiftly.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Um Danny, can, can you tell us now about um, the spirit according to Chinese medicine and the eight extraordinary vessels? What, what exactly actually is the spirit? I think um, I think for most people, you know, there's just a lot of question around like, what is the spirit? What is the soul? What does it actually mean?
1: Yeah, it's so true. There's so, there's so many people, right, who have so many different points of view on what that really means. And depending on the religion or whether it's outside of religions, right, there's so many different (laughs) descriptive ways, and it's hard to describe. Um, the Chinese medicine point of view is very interesting, and it's not one that I've seen before. If you look at the ancient texts, what they say is that we're really five different spirits that interact as one. And the first one, which we already talked about, is our consciousness, um, which resides in our heart, as I mentioned, and animates the brain. But that's our like true self, or some people refer to the higher self, but it's that like deep sense of who we truly are. Um, the next one is called the E or the ego would be the uh, translation for it that resides in the pancreas or it's connected to the pancreas, um, even though it animates the brain. Um, but that's our thinking mind. It's the mind that judges things and says, I like this, I don't like that. It has all the thoughts that aren't necessarily what we believe. You know, how many times have you had a thought that you're like, I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, but that's that's just the ego or the mind. And that has its own Um, designation as a spirit in Chinese medicine. Um, The next one is called the Hun, which translates as the Cloud Spirit. And the other term that's more commonly used is the astral body. Its connection to the organ is the liver, but the astral body, what it says to do, or the hun or the cloud spirit, according to Chinese medicine, is that while we're sleeping at night, the astral body goes out amongst the clouds, is the like poetic way that they'd say it, it goes <laughs> out amongst the clouds to gain visions for us, to inform us and give us information that can then inform our lives. Right? So that's the like, astral traveling part of it. Amazing. <laughs> um sorry Po Hun. <post-shen-hun. laughs> Um, the next one is the Po, or the corporeal soul, also referred to as the animal spirit. Its connection is the lungs, and its main emotion is sadness and grief, but it's so much more than that, because it's really about the emotions of what it feels like to be an animal, from that point of view, that we are all animals when we're human, right? We're still an animal, and we experience the like ups and downs of life, and we feel it so deeply, in the dramas, and the hurts, and the pains, and the, um, the longing, and all of those things that we feel on such a deep body level Uh, and so that's the Poe which uh, luckily as we get older the energy of the Poe gets less and less so that we get wiser and aren't bothered (laughs) by things as much (laughs) whereas when we're like young and teenagers like oh my god you know they they said hi to me but they weren't very enthusiastic (laughs) I I don't think they like me anymore (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, stuff like that. Um, So Po, Shen, Hun, Yi we did. And then the last one, which I always find really interesting that it gets designated as a spirit, but it's called the Jir, or it's the willpower. And the willpower gets its own designation as a spirit in Chinese medicine. Um, But the willpower, which is connected with the kidneys has two different aspects to it. There's the yin and the yang aspect, like the yin yang taiji symbol of balance. Um, but the yang aspect is what most people think of willpower, where it's like, I'm just going to get this done. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make this happen, right? So that's the one part of the willpower. But how many times do we try so hard to make something happen and it doesn't happen? Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then we just like sit back, we give up, and are like, wow, well, I really wish this would happen, but I guess I'm going to just stop trying. Um, and it starts to happen right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's, that's the yin aspect Of the willpower Where we just sit back We make an intention And we allow things to unfold right? wow. So those are the five spirits But then I talked about The eight extraordinary vessels And these are the first Energetic systems to form When we are born There's one that's called The chong mai Or the penetrating vessel That runs from the top of the head Through the spine To the perineum And that's the central channel, or in Hinduism, it's called the Shishumna. Um, And it's said that the spirit, especially the higher self or the Shen, will come in through this penetrating vessel into the body after we're born. And so then from the chong mai, we get the rest of the eight extraordinary vessels, the daimaig or girdle vessel that we talked about earlier being one of those eight. Um, and these are just the deepest energetic systems of the body. And it's where all of these spirits interact with each other as if they're one, which makes us think that we are really just one spirit. Um, and I find that super fascinating and that's why a large part of the work that I do when we talk about acupuncture, which I didn't talk too much about this earlier, is there's so many acupuncture treatments combined with the energy work that I do and I'm sure other people do as well, where you access these different 8 X-ray vessels and each one of them have a different emotional and spiritual function to them that help us to grow, to heal, to evolve, to process our emotions in different ways.
0: Denny, how is this way of accessing or treating emotions different from things like psychotherapy?
1: Yeah, you know, when we look at psychotherapy, which I am definitely a fan of to different degrees, there's different styles. I like some styles more than others, but generally, psychotherapy, I think, is a very helpful thing. Um, But sometimes the rut that I see happens with psychotherapy is that, you know, you just keep like talking through it and you just keep going through it without actually processing it fully or you you're processing it to some degree but sometimes you're reinforcing that emotional trauma um but all of that that that's doing it's accessing it through the e or the ego or through the mind right to access your emotions but we're more holistic than that and so instead of accessing it only through the mind right and of course there are different types of therapy that go beyond this there's so many and that's great um But what's fascinating is with this type of healing, we access the energetic storage places of these emotions and release them from the body by opening up or helping those energetic systems do their functions to help us process those emotions, right? So this is a very different route of processing instead of through the mind, it's through these energetic systems.
0: Right. And so it, it seems like, I, I think in the West, um, there's been a preference for talk therapy and, um, you know, psychotherapy, those sorts of things. But um, it's been interesting how much the emotional and spiritual space has been largely ignored in the West. Um, mm-hmm. When probably, you know, the reason why there's also a lot of the rise in mental health issues and depression and anxiety is really just off the charts. Um, with all the, the success Quote unquote that we've had in the West, we've had also, um, you know, increasing um, mental health issues. So, yeah, clearly it's not working, <laughs> or it's not yeah. it's not it's not sufficient enough um, to um, really help people in the long term. I think um, as a solo offering, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point because I often do recommend patients that they work with therapists as well because the combination is very synergistic. Um but yeah, we we need to access it from different points of view that really work well together and are complementary and access it from different ways if we're going to be successful.
0: Right. Uh Danny, what kind of patient usually comes into your office for help?
1: You know, I do get a lot of people who are very intuitive um, however, it's not always the case. but I do get a lot of people who are, you know, spiritual seeking for this type of work, are looking to work not in just the traditional way of treating conditions. And a lot of them have these mysterious ailments that, you know, they go down the western medical route, either they get some answers, but it doesn't work, or the western medicine route, allopathic medicine route doesn't really seem to address it. And so they're trying to figure out another way. And it's it's always fascinating to me. And I love it because, you know, certainly not always is it the case, but there are so many cases where when you look, work on the spiritual, emotional healing uh, avenue of working with this, it can really just dramatically change people's health and their wellness and their well-being. Um, I also get, for that reason, I get a lot of chronic disease patients who come to me and it becomes more like I'm a part of their team. They're still doing their other treatment modalities. And then I work at them with the physical aspect because acupuncture also works on the physical and energy medicine works on the physical as well too, right? It just depends where you direct that energy medicine or that energy work too. Um, and at the same time, you know, it all works really well together and I try to do my best to you know, help them in that journey in whatever way I can.
0: And what are some really interesting stories from patients about healing? Um, You mentioned you have patients that have chronic illness, um, those sorts of things. I'm just curious if you can maybe share one or, you know, one or two anecdotes with us.
1: Sure. I'd be happy to. I've I've got plenty. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm working on publishing my capstone for my doctorate, um, or I'm intending to. Uh, i got a lot of work to do, but I'm compiling all of these cases. So I just pulled wow. several up for you. Um, but for instance, and I'm, I'm going to read a quote for one of them, but I had a patient who came to me um, and I ended up doing the my treatment, the girdle vessel treatment for uh, what I saw was a past life trauma. And she'd been dealing with long-term depression and anxiety, like incredible, very debilitating And she wrote me that since the last treatment, my depression and high anxiety have been healed. There have been no signs of it, and I have been feeling amazing. I used to have to exercise three to four times a week to keep the depression at bay. If I didn't exercise, I would get insomnia and even worse mood swings. Now I can exercise when I want to instead of having to. I'm not constantly worried and afraid of everything anymore.
0: Wow. Wow, incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that that's a really cool case. But I've had cases where, you know, I've had people who've had long-term back pain um, for, like, one who had it for 10 years. And I did one treatment, um, it's called the Dragon's Treatment for something, and the pain completely went away. You know, so, like, things like that can happen. Or I've had people who were, unexp- um, unex- for an unexplained reason, feeling suicidal and I'm always very careful in those cases and I always recommend that they go to a therapist and do all those things to make sure that they're really safe and cared for. Um, But I did one treatment on them and it completely went away for instance.
0: Incredible. Incredible. And people can work with you uh, remotely or, I mean, I guess like the energetic work can be done remotely, but of course the acupuncture piece has to be done in person.
1: Yeah. So um, I do definitely have a mix and, you know, in times of COVID, this is what ended up happening was I shut down my office for a couple months and I only did uh, distance energy work. And I really loved it in certain ways because it was really such a, a deep way of going into looking at things Emotionally and energetically for a longer period of time. Because when somebody comes to see me at the office, and don't get me wrong, the combination of acupuncture with energy work is by far my preference because it accesses it in two different ways. Um, but when you come into my office, right, we talk, we do an intake, I have to put the needles in, right? I diagnose you energetically and physically. I put needles in, and then I do maybe five to 10 minutes of energy work with it. And then I leave you on the table to, you know, have your acupuncture treatment. But when I'm doing the energy work, that's distance energy work, it's almost all completely energy work. And so it's really nice because you can go deeper into that modality in that
0: way. Fascinating. And I think it's, that's great because then, you know, everyone who's all over the world can um, experience a session with you. Um, Yeah. Do do you, can you tell me, you know, in your words, like why you think that the subject um, of just Chinese medicine and and um, working on the emotional and spiritual level is so important.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's clearly so important to me. And if you don't mind, I'll tell you just a little bit more of why I got into
0: it. Yeah, please.
1: Um, you know, I'm I'm the child of a parent who has a very serious mental illness, and it was very apparent and and difficult through my my life, and so I was always fascinated with how the mind works, and and eventually got into meditation and how the spirit works, and I I battled my own depression, and it was very intense in my early twenties, and that's what led me to exploring spirituality and meditation, um, because my religion didn't really satisfied that need for me Um, and so one and that was the big thing that like drew me to this but one there's in buddhism there's one buddha that's called the medicine buddha and he's the like big blue buddha and one of the like meanings or one of the interpretations of the teachings of the Medicine Buddha is that there's no disease without there first being the seed of that disease in the mind. And so it's a way of saying that without us having this emotional aspect, we don't get sick. And of course, that's not the full story. Chinese medicine looks at both external and internal causes of disease, as well as our diet. And so like external causes of diseases, like the environment, common colds, etc., uh, physical traumas, and then the neither external nor internal is diet mostly. And then the all internal causes of disease, according to Chinese medicine, are due to what we call the seven emotions. And the seven emotions are basically the spectrum of, of emotions. There are seven emotions that are said to be the umbrella for all of the emotions and saying that all the various shades of different emotions are really just under this large umbrella category. And so that's really why it's so important to me. And unfortunately, I've seen, especially in, in Western society, is that there's this over-reliance on allopathic medicine. And that's why I, got, I decided not to study western medicine is because you know i had a condition i went to the doctor and they said oh here's antibiotics for it and it made absolutely no sense to me and so i went to a chinese medicine practitioner and it was maybe the second time i'd gone for pain before that Um, but i went to chinese medicine practitioner and they diagnosed me as having this internal imbalance in my body and gave me herbs and did acupuncture and did a little bit of bloodletting which is really good at clearing heat um, it just means you just prick, um, like for instance, this case, they prick the top of my ear. And, you know, you just bleed like three drops of blood out. It's not like a or right. anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, right. And so I really just loved treating it in this more holistic way. And so not only is that's, uh, you know, my what, that's the reason why I think Chinese medicine is so helpful, but also this other aspect of something that I focus on, which is emotional spiritual healing. Why I think that is just so key to our overall health and well being.
0: Wow! Thank you so much for sharing your personal journey, Danny. That's uh, it's really yeah. 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 I, I want to. I, I brought this up before, but I um, I think that there's I can't remember who said this. Maybe it was Carolyn Mace or some other author, but she said. Um, That people either find this path from chaos or curiosity, you know, it has to be sort of Mm -hmm. one or the other. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, something going on in your own life, or or just curiosity, and and better, it's probably better to find it in in a safer space in your life rather than when there's chaos. I imagine. So, (laughs)
1: very good point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, Denny, you kind of told us a little bit about how your practice has changed since COVID um, hit. I'm, is it has there been anything else uh, that you've noticed as a general theme in 2020? Um, I think stress levels are probably at an all-time high. Um, I know mental health issues are, are at an all-time high. I, I'm just, you know, curious. Like, has there been anything that surprised you um, since since the pandemic started and, and moving? most of your sessions off, off, or all of your sessions uh, online and just the, the, the things that you kind of have seen as dominant themes. And maybe, you you know, maybe there's not enough data points yet, but just curious.
1: Yeah, I mean, just in general, general themes that have been common amongst the patients um, because right now I'm still doing the distance energy work, but I reopened my office, so I'm still seeing patients in person. And of course there's the change of how we have to provide In person care. (laughs) Right. Right? So, you know, masks and gloves and hand sanitizing and temperature checking and blood oxygen measuring, (laughs) you know, all of these things. Um, That's the like practical part of it. But on top of which, as you mentioned, is the mental health component of going through COVID, which is getting stronger and stronger as this plays out longer and longer, people are getting COVID fatigue, right? Or quarantine fatigue. Right. Um, there's that part of it. But, you know, you couple that on top of it with everything that's going on with injustice in the United States and in the world. But, you know, I'm going to focus specifically on the United States right now because of the Black Lives Matter movement and how important it is and how sad and, and just awful what is going on with our fellow citizens, our, our brothers, our sisters. It's just absolutely awful and and so sad um, and put on top of that, the whole political landscape and how this has become a politicized pandemic where instead of being something that could bring us together, because we're all humans who are experiencing the same thing of this devastating illness. Um, And so we get all of that and, you know, not to go too much into politics, but, you know, people have their points of view on whether they dislike our current president or whether they like him. Um, You know, we're in a Currently, you and I are in a liberal area, which is definitely not for this president. And, you know, that brings up so much emotions. And I'm working so much with patients where they're, you know, not only having their own emotional component, but they're tapping into the collective consciousness and everybody else's emotions and carrying all of their emotions with them. And they carry that energetically. And so I'm spending a lot of time helping them to disengage energetically from everybody else's emotions around things, but then also to help them access, heal, gain wisdom with what are their own true emotions around all of these different subjects.
0: Yeah. Wow. Very, it's a very important point. I think, I mean, I think uh, everyone is more or less having difficult time um, understanding what's going on in their own uh, body and even just metabolizing things that are happening this year because there's just been so much. Um, I've I've said to a couple of friends I think we're gonna need like a a year long vacation <laughs> from from 2020. We're gonna need like a year or two just to recover. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been hard for everyone. So um, super interesting that that's come up and and I think even just disengaging from the collective is so hard because every time you. You know, open up the internet and get on social media. I try to avoid it as much as possible myself. Um, and I've always had this uh, tactic where um, I wanted to always swim against the the current of the collective, so I could really mm-hmm. be doing my own thing and not getting sucked into mm-hmm. the current. And I find that since it, and I've always, so I've worked from home for a long time and, you know, work on a lot of different projects. And, um, but since everyone started working from home, I think it's been very difficult to swim away from the current of the collective. So we're all getting pulled, Mm -hmm. we're all Mm -hmm. getting pulled in for better, for worse. And we're all, we are all in this emotionally and spiritually together. Uh, maybe not physically. Yes. Right. But, um, so I'm, I'm curious, Danny, um, what do you want to tell our listeners about their health and wellness? I mean, you spent such a long time in the space. You've worked with so mm-hmm. many different types of people, um, with many different types of ailments, um, many chronic, many not. And I'm just, you know, curious. Like, what's like your main message, your main takeaway that you want to tell people?
1: Yeah. Um, thanks for asking that. For me, it's, and I, I know I've already said this in various different ways, but. Our emotional and spiritual wellness is something that is so often overlooked. Right. We we push ourselves to be more productive and to, you know, expand the mental capacities of the mind in terms of pushing the mental faculties. And not in a way like a spiritual pushing or a meditation pushing of the mind, but more of this like over-reliance on our ego and our mind and our abilities to discern things from that judgmental ego perspective and we underestimate what's truly in my mind the most important and that's our emotional landscape and our spirit and the more we focus on that The more we have an opportunity for really deep and transformative healing and i just encourage everybody to find their ways for working with that and what what resonates with them and what really speaks to them as a way of healing in this way because not only will you heal what you're currently dealing with you'll have long-lasting healing that will be for years to come and for you know most likely the rest of your life if not beyond that
0: beautiful message danny thank you Thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm curious, so last, last couple questions. Um, are there any resources that you can point folks to, any books that maybe inspired you? Um, you know, I know that you have a website, so I'd love for you to share that. But uh, just curious, you know, if you have, if you can share uh, resources with the audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is wellspringmarin.com, W e l l s p r i n g. as in Mary, um, But I also, if you want to just learn about general Chinese medicine, there's a couple of books that are great for the public. One's The Web That Has No Weaver. By Ted Kapchuk. Another one is "The Spark in the Machine" by Daniel. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's K E O W N. Um, I also have YouTube clips. If you search a wellspring acupuncture on YouTube, you'll find a bunch of you know two to twenty minute long clips of me teaching to the general public on various aspects of Chinese medicine. It's less about the like deep emotional spiritual stuff, but it's more the like general Chinese medicine things. Um, there is the Academy of Intuition Medicine. They have an online school, I'm such a fan of that. It's completely changed my life and added so much to my practice in terms of working in this way of energy medicine. I give so much thanks to Francesca McCartney, as well as she has a book called The Body of Health. Um, But there are other teachers. There's a teacher named Matt Kahn. He has a book called Whatever Arises, Love That. And it, it reminds me a lot of um, Buddhist teachings, like Buddhist Chen teachings, if anyone's aware of that. Um, and I just, I, I really love it, right? And it goes back to that, you know, whatever you're experiencing, hold space for it with love and acceptance and gratitude. Um, but he also has a YouTube channel. If you search Matt Kahn, K-A-H-N, I believe um, he's got a lot of teachings and it's, it's really some amazing stuff.
0: Amazing, Danny! Thank you so much for your time. Um, I will check out. Uh, I, I haven't heard of the first two books, um, but of course, I've heard of the Academy of Intuition Medicine, um, as I am also a graduate. And Matt Kahn, I just recently checked out and loved his his work. So, um, but I will check out some of his YouTube videos because I haven't seen those. I've just been reading uh, his books and getting some of his um, books on Audible. So. Fantastic! Yeah, he's great. He's great. Uh, thank you so much again for your time, Danny. I'm just really blown away by by this conversation and all the things that I've learned. And I, you know, took notes. And I'm sure that the audience is probably going to ping you for more questions. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, just the conversation around. Oh, he's the, happy too Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just the conversation around the the eight extraordinary vessels and the five different spirits. I mean, I, I, we can even you know we could have double clicked on that and spent a lot of time on it. So.
1: Oh yeah, we could do a whole podcast just on that if you wanted
0: to. <laughs> right, yeah, maybe if there's enough requests, we
1: will. We'll, we will. <laughs> Sure, always happy to, I love doing this. Yeah, thanks so much. I really appreciate you and all the work that you're doing. And thanks for having me on the show.
0: Thank you so much, Danny. All right. For our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about how we store emotions in the various energetic systems of the body, according to Chinese medicine with Danny Guerin tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Thanks again.